You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Oge Ogwe, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Praise the Lord. Come on, praise the Lord. God is good. Yeah, I thought you forgot. Say hi to three people around you. Give them a high five. Tell them they look nice and then sit down. It's nice to see you in church. Welcome, welcome. Praise the Lord. I do have a lot to teach this morning. Genuinely hope time permits all that we have to say. Um, media team, please, I would like you to be in the spirit today. Amen. Amen. Let me start by saying something that we don't hear a lot of in modern day Christian circles. Um, can I have someone from the team to off, put switches off? We don't hear a lot of it in modern day Christian circles. Salvation is eternal. We can know for a fact where we are going from here. The Bible does say, Jesus speaking, in John chapter 3 verse 16, that God loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes, thank you very much, should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so Jesus implicitly said, that what it takes to have everlasting life is just belief. Hallelujah. Have you believed? If yes, you have everlasting life. I mean, Jesus was standing or he was on the cross and by his right there was a thief and by his left there was a thief. And by his right, the guy by his right said, remember me today in your paradise in your kingdom and the Bible said that Jesus responded to the guy and said verily verily I say unto you today you will be with me in heaven in kingdom in paradise what, what's happening to this now Jesus could respond like that only because the only criteria for the man to enter kingdom or paradise was believe and when he asked Jesus to remember him, he was declaring his belief in Jesus Christ. Now, many of us know this. I've taught that several times in church. However, any teaching on eternal security that is devoid of a warning on apostasy is incomplete. Is incomplete. And I will explain. Salvation is secure. Salvation is eternal. But salvation is also a partnership. Do you hear me? Salvation is also a partnership. When Jesus said, no man who puts his hand on the plow and turns his back is fit for me, he meant it. He meant it. There are three words in the New Testament that scare me sometimes. It's this phrase, remember Lot's wife. What was her error? Was her error that she looked back? No, that wasn't really the error. The real error was in looking back, she drew away her attention from where she was meant to be going and instead fixed her mind on the pleasures that she left back in Sodom and Gomorrah and in so doing she was turned to salt and the writer says in the New Testament remember Lord's wife any teaching on salvation 
that does not warn you about apostasy. You know what apostasy is? Apostasy is that place where people get to that they, they, they say there's no God, I don't believe in God anymore, I'm not doing it again. You know that place? Yes. Reprobacy. Any teaching on salvation that does not warn you about that is not complete. And here's why. Nobody wakes up a reprobate. Nobody just wakes up one day and says, I'm not doing again. If you see a man that has turned his back on God, he didn't just turn it once. It, it started gradually and led there. I will take time this morning to talk about this. All right? Because there is an increasing trend of irresponsibility in God's church that needs to be curbed. We are saved, yes, but there are corresponding fruits of salvation that must show. There are corresponding fruits of salvation that must show. Do you hear what I'm saying? So let's begin. Second, First Corinthians chapter 10. We're reading from verse 1 to 14. We're going to read a lot of the Bible today. And the reason why I want to take you through a lot of um, many of these scriptures is because I don't want you to get to a point where you think maybe it's just one or two verses of scripture so maybe pastor didn't really interpret it well no I will leave it for you to see First Corinthians 10 1 moreover brethren I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were passed under the cloud and all passed through the sea verse 2 and we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and the sea. This is not my teaching today. So if you, if you, please go back. If you, if you need to understand verse 2, there are several teachings I've done on baptism. So please go back and read. And we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Verse 3. And did all eat the same spiritual meat. Verse 4. And all, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was who? All right, verse 5. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. They were all baptized into Moses. They all ate of the same spiritual meat. All drank of the same spiritual drink. The rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, even after being baptized into Moses, eating the same spiritual meat, drinking the same spiritual drink, God was not pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. This was the proof that God wasn't pleased with them. They were overthrown in the wilderness. What does it mean? What was it referring to? The place where God said that because they retained not God in his heart, he swore in his, he said that they will not see my rest. If you read Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 4, you see this um, properly explained. They won't see my rest. They would all die in the wilderness. Why did God say that he wasn't pleased with them? And as you read further, you will understand where God's displeasure came from. Verse 6. Now, these things were our examples to the intent that we should not read the next line together, want to go, lost after evil things as they also. So why was God not pleased with them? They lusted after evil things. Praise the Lord. Verse 7. Neither be ye idolaters. Now, I need you to understand something. When the Bible says, don't give in to idolatry. Yes, there is a dimension of idolatry that represents creating, crafting an image. Um, you, you create something like this. You call it ikuku. And then you, this, is my, this is now my idol. I worship ikuku. No, th that's idolatry. But there is a more subtle form of idolatry that we give into that we don't know. Listen, let me tell you something. Anything that replaces God in your heart is idolatry. And I'm not saying replaces God as in you now consciously choose to say, I worship you, I worship you. But anything that you subconsciously or consciously prioritize above God is an idol to you. an idol to you. For some people it's themselves. You are your own idol. 
you have subconsciously prioritized yourself above God. For some people, it's their comfort. There is nothing about God that will ever make you endure discomfort. I did not come to this world to suffer. He says, neither be ye idolaters. He says, as were some of them. Again, know that when you are reading the New Testament and Paul is writing, he's not writing arbitrarily. He's not just writing because he feels like saying it. He's quoting things. He's referring things in the Old Testament. When were they idolaters? Moses went up. Give them instructions to stay with God. Went up to go and talk to God. And by the time he came back, just 40 days. Do you know how little 40 days is? That's one month and 10 days. Just 40 days, the guy was gone. And by the time he came back, they, were, they had already built a golden calf after the order of the Egyptian gods. And, were, and, and when the Bible tells you that they were dancing, and I hope you know that it wasn't just random dancing. They were having sex orgies around this thing because that's how they worshipped that god in Egypt, where they were coming from, where they learned it from. So they had built a golden calf and they were parambulating and misbehaving in worship. So that's it. Listen. For some people, you say, oh, how can the Israel, how could they have done that now? Couldn't they just be patient? But for many people, it's like that today. If God will not do it sharp, sharp for you, someone else will. Someone else will. Why wait for Moses to go up 40 days and then come down? When this Baba has promised me sharp, sharp. Or when this, um, uh, 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 I'm a fine boy, I'm a fine girl. In life, you use what you have to get what you want. Idolatry, idolatry. He says, neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Verse 8. He says, neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and twenty thousand. Again, another reference to a story in the Old Testament. Next verse, verse 9. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Verse 10. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of destroyer. Verse 11. Now, all these things happened unto them for what? And they are written for our what? If you read the stories in the Old Testament and you see the wrath of God displayed in the Old Testament and it does not stir you up to a consecration, you've not gotten the point. Those stories were not written to show you that, oh my God, they vex so. Ah, God, they para. No, that's not why the stories were written. Those stories were written for your admonition. That's the reason why the writer of Hebrews could say, if they did not escape, who neglected the signs and the warnings of the prophet, he says, how can we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So what the writer of Hebrews was telling you is, their crimes pale in comparison to ours. And so we must learn from them to make sure we don't make the same mistakes. Praise the Lord. He says, um, okay, go back to um, 1 Corinthians. Thank you. He says, now all these things happen unto them, for examples, and they are written for admonition unto whom the ends of the world are come. Verse 12. Wherefore, everybody read as loud as you can together, one to go. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed. Hi. <laughs> God is able to keep you from falling, but let him that thinks he stands, let him take heed lest he falls. Because God will not keep you from falling without your permission. Do you hear what I'm saying? You must partner with the spirit of God to stay. You must. So let him that thinks he stands, let him take heed lest he falls. Verse 13. 
there, there has no, now this is, he's, he's, he's admonishing you. He's saying, there's no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. So there's no temptation. Hallelujah. It says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. So there is no temptation you will ever face that you think there is only you that is going through it. Do you hear what I'm saying? You know something the devil tries to make us feel? This thing I'm experiencing, nobody else is experiencing it. Why me? Why always me? Why? (laughs) You know, you have friends. You tell them the negative things that happened in your life. Then they try to prove to you that it had it worse. There is no temptation that you are facing that is not common to man. Everybody has faced it at some point or the other. There are other people facing it at the same time you are facing it. So you have no excuse. Do you understand? If other Christians faced the same temptation and overcame it, you have no excuse. Don't say, I, I, I don't like our generation. The devil, the devil has a, he has a stronghold on this generation, but we will break it in the name of Jesus. So a preacher is telling you, we married as virgins. And you say, "Ah, that's you, pastor. There is no temptation that has taken you that is not common to man. If your pastor could do it, you can. Do you hear me? See, uh, somebody will say, "Ah, me. If, if somebody should offer me a lot of money to do something wrong, I won't take it all. You say, ha, the Lord, you are, you are very strong. Oh, me, I know myself. I know I have, I have needs. If they offer me the money, I will take it. The person that said he won't take it, don't they have needs? Some of them even have more needs than you. There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Are you saying this? Who will, next verse, not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape, verse 14, that you may be able to bear it. So, if you did not escape the temptation, it's not God's fault. The Bible says that if any temptation is standing before you, it is standing before you because you are able to bear it. God is, he will not make you face something bigger than you. So if you are facing a temptation right now, you are able to bear it. So if you fell for that temptation, it's not on God, it's on you. Take responsibility. Let he that thinks he stands, let him take heed lest he falls. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Second Peter chapter 3. We'll read verse 14 to 18. He says, wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot. Say without spot. And blameless. blameless. Next verse. An account that the long suffering of of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved brother, Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him has written unto you, verse 16. And also in all his epistles, Speaking in them of these things, in which are some, some things hard to be understood, which they um, they that are unlearned and unstable rest or wrestle with, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Now you understand why he's saying all of this 17. You therefore, beloved, seeing that you know these things before, what things? The things Paul wrote to you. Seeing that you know them before, beware lest ye also be led away from the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. I like this verse of scripture because it's such an eye-opener. Peter quotes Paul and he said, Paul's writings, they can be hard to understand, especially for those who are unlearned. By unlearned, he's not talking about those who didn't go to school. He's talking about those who are not in Christ. 
And, and to what writings really is Peter referring? Paul's gospel of grace. <laughs> That's what makes up Paul's writings. His gospel of grace. He's saying Paul's gospel of grace can be difficult to understand. But you know the gospel of grace. What is Paul's gospel of grace? We are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast, because we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That's Paul's gospel of grace. You know it. And he's saying, seeing that you know it, he says, beware, lest you also be led away with the error of the wicked. Say error of the wicked. There is a deception that comes from the devil when the gospel is given. A licentiousness that the devil tries to walk us into when the gospel is, is shared. That's, that's Paul. That's, why, that's what Paul responded to in Romans chapter 6. Shall we continue in saying that grace may abound? God forbid. Peter says, be careful lest you also be led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. There is such a thing as fallen from your own steadfastness. Can you put this in a newer translation? HCSB, ESV, NKJV, just one of them. A newer translation. Look at that. It says, therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you are not led away by the error of the who? Immoral and fall from your own stability. Listen, do you know that there are signs of backsliding? Do you know there are signs? We, we start getting worried about certain believers when we see certain things. The funny thing is the believer may not even know where they are. But if you've done this Christian thing, Christianity thing long enough, you can tell. You can tell. You can fall away from steadfastness. You were stable. You were steadfast. You were committed. You were growing. And then you fall away from it. And the rule is that it is he that endures to the end that shall be saved. Our assurance is that God is working in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. But the instruction is as you have done in my, in my presence, do also in my absence, walk out your salvation. Do you see how there is no teaching on salvation that puts the full responsibility on God? Because even if God is working in me to will and to do, I must work it out. That inward working must be worked out by me. He will take care of the inside and will make sure it shows outside. Else, I will nullify the work he's doing on my inside. Do you hear what I'm saying? He says, so that you are not led away by the error of the immoral and fall from your own stability. It's possible. It's possible. I knew a young man a couple of years ago when we were students in school, every night or every week, once every week, sometimes once in two weeks, a couple of friends of mine, he was included, we would, we would come together in the hostels and we would pray from um, lights out till daybreak. So that's from like 10 p.m. till 7 a.m. the next morning. We'll just take some time praying. And... Um, Every time we gather to pray, he will always have an excuse. He says that he comes, then one hour into the prayer, he will say that he has something very important to do. And he goes away. Or we are praying, one hour into the prayer, he sleeps off. And then you wake up, there's nothing wrong in sleeping off. You are all human, you can be tired. Do you understand? Uh -huh. One hour into the prayer, he sleeps off. Then you wake him up. Say, brother, wake up, we are still praying. And he gets angry. Do you know what I've gone through? Don't you know that I might have prayed my own prayer during the day? True life story. True life story. Don't you know I might have prayed my own prayer during the day? Why are you disturbing me? Slowly but surely, the Lord called this man into ministry. Because we were all doing ministry in school then. And this man, I've told you, I've told you his story many times. He had 
a strong healing gift over his life and ministry. The very first time with my two eyes I saw a deaf ear open was in this guy's ministry. We went to pray somewhere. Everybody that came that was sick was healed. So he had a call on his life that was evident. Not the type of call that you are envious of. That God, why is every other person you they give them spectacular signs? But when it comes to me, you'll be telling me the supernatural is not always spectacular. <laughs> he had that kind of a call. Dangerous miracles. Then I'm sorry. There's some things I want to say now. It may offend you. But check your heart. There are some preachers that when you start listening to them, I know you're backsliding. You start running away from people that are teaching salvation, prayer, the gospel, um, um, belonging to a local church. You know, things that the Bible actually teaches. You're not listening to people who are giving you motivational talk. The enemy versus the enemy. When that becomes your diet, this is you. And this is how you are moving. Because it's not possible that you are moving forward. Slowly, he turned from prayer. Every time you enter his room before, he was listening to this kind of sermon. Uplifting scriptural, Bible-based sermons. Now we correct you when you are doing something wrong. He started listening to sermons that talk about motivation the closest those kind of sermons ever get to the bible is the love of God and not the love of God in a holistic sense the love of God as in God loves you so much do you know that all God thinks about is you, is a lie you are not all God thinks about <laughs> one day the young man started selling magazines in school. And his magazines were about top 10 most influential people in school. Top 20 finest girls in the set. Top 10, I called him, I said, my brother, explain to me again what your ministry is. And he said, my ministry is about influence. I said, no, sir. Your ministry is about the spirit of God. It's about the gospel. This influence thing you are doing is flesh. Check it. He stopped talking to me. He started doing badly in school. He dropped out. He started owing people. Because, <laughs> see, if you don't walk in the spirit, you will, you will shock yourself. The things you will do. He started owing people. He, when I say owing people, it's not owing people 100k. No, as at the time he ran away from school. That's how he dropped out. He ran away from school and never returned. As at the time he ran away from school, he was owing more than two million in debt. Student. What was he borrowing the money to do? Throw parties. Went to another school, then opened a, an Instagram page. What is he posting on the Instagram page? Many of you know the Instagram page, so let me say the name. Everything Bowen University. Everything Bowen Uni. He opened that page. If you go through that page, all he posts on that page is naked, um, poly dressed ladies. Oh, that's what man of God, man of God, man of God. When people say judge not, be very careful though, because we will judge you. The Bible gives us the right to do so. He said, if you see your brother walking in sin, you say, how do we know you are walking in sin if we have not judged you? We will first of all judge that it is sinful now. <laughs> the last time I saw him, I went to Leisure Mall. And um, were we together? We, we were at Leisure Mall. So, now my friends know me. If you are a minister around me, I will keep you accountable. That's, it's my own style of friendship. So, the first thing I asked him is, are you still doing ministry? How far? How are you doing? Let's play FIFA. So we went aside to play FIFA. Are you still doing ministry? You were there now. He said, he said, he gave me, the Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord says it's a lie. He said he's coming. He wants to just get something. That's how he ran away. 
Till today, I've not seen him again. He says, beware. <laughs> beware. There are many scriptures that say, beware. There's another one that says, beware of dogs. Paul was teaching. I like the way Bishop Oedipo strings these two scriptures together because he will first of all teach you the, um, where, the, where Paul said, beware of dogs. Then he would reference you to where Paul said, a dog is returned to his own vomit. So who are the dogs that you, are, you should beware of? People who try to drag you back to your former lifestyle. He says, beware, beware. Beware. I don't know when you will get it. You can't, you can't remain friends with some people. You can't remain friends with some people. A pastor I know was counseling a couple, Christian couple. The Christian couple had just gone through a rough patch because one of them cheated on the other. Right? And when they were talking, the woman was a good Christian. The man was a good Christian. They were good Christians. Served in their local churches. What led to this nonsense? Friends. Friends. Beware. Do you hear what I'm saying? Any salvation that keeps God solely responsible of your morality is not salvation at all. <laughs> If you've been saved, you will learn that your salvation is a partnership between the Spirit of God and yourself. And so I must give room to the Spirit to do His work. If I'm not doing that, I am grieving the Holy Ghost. Ephesians chapter 4. I think that's the last one we will read. Then I'll get into the main teaching. Ephesians chapter 4. We'll read from verse 17 to 30. Reading that you will do at home. Ephesians chapter 5, the one that you will go home and read. Ephesians 5, 1 to 11. Please, when you go home, read that in the context of what I'm saying. Ephesians 5, 1 to 11. But for today, Ephesians 4, 17 to 30. Everybody look to the screen. It says, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth, say henceforth. henceforth. Every believer must have a henceforth moment. That ah, I'm saved from now going forward. I, I can't, there are some things I can't do anymore. He says, henceforth, walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. Verse 18. Having the, under, having the understanding that can be alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Listen, the Gentiles have blinded hearts. They can't see. They are ignorant. You have no excuse. Verse 19. Who being past feeling, um, who being past, um, past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to walk all on cleanliness and greediness. Verse 20. But you... Everybody read this together as I want to go. You have not what? Remember last week's teaching. The grace of God has appeared unto all men. Teaching. There is a teaching that grace must give you. If you have received the true salvation, there is a teaching that it must do. You have not so learned Christ. There is something you learned in Christ. A way Christ was presented to you that must influence the way you live, the way you talk, the way you think, your actions. You have not so learned Christ. Verse 21. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him and as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 22. That you put off. This is what the truth is teaching you. You put off concerning the former conversation that old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Verse 23. And everybody read together, want to go and be renewed. 24. And that he put on, say put on. Say put on. Notice that the putting on is an instruction. So who is going to do the putting on? You or the Spirit of God? Who? Good. You Put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. 
that phrase put on and put off as he used two verses ago to refer to the old man and put on here that phrase is is akin to taking off a dress and putting on another dress he says you put off the old man you remove that dress and drop it and then look for the new man and put him on do you, do you, do you get what I'm saying which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Verse 25. Wherefore, putting away. Say putting away. Lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Verse 26. Be angry, but sin not. Oh, I don't know. When I get angry, I lose myself. The instruction is be angry. It's okay. But, but don't let your anger lead you to sin. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Pastor, you don't know me. Big things don't really affect me. It's just the little things. Because there's some things I don't expect from people that call themselves my friends. So three weeks now, you're not talking to the same person. Do you get that the period of your anger is from sun up to sunset? Once the sun is going down on your anger, you have gone too far. Figuratively speaking, he was saying, forgive quickly. That's the teaching. You're a believer, you're a Christian. Stop harboring hate. Stop harboring anger. Forgive. Don't let it cause you to sin. The anger in itself is not a sin. It's a natural emotion. God put it there. Do you understand? When that anger leads you to sin, ah, you've started creating problems for yourself. And when you stand before God. God is not going to hear um, that what he did to me was so grievous. No. He will answer for his own sins. <laughs> you will answer for your own. And it, it may be unfair that his own sinfulness led you to your own sin, but you agreed. You agreed for it to lead you there. So answer for it. He says, neither give place, everybody read verse 27 as loud as you can. Again, everybody read 27 as loud as you can. Neither give place to the devil. Listen. <laughs> there are many teachings that can be done on salvation. But to ignore teachings like this will be to ignore a good percentage of the Bible. Like I'm talking almost 60% of Paul's writings. Paul will finish focusing on grace that he will bring you to these instructions. Because this is Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 2, it's just two verses and uh, two chapters away. Where he said you are saved by grace through faith. Ah, but this is two chapters after. He's talking to you. Neither give place to the devil. Know it now. You can and many times do give place to the devil. Do you hear me? You know, you know you are struggling with lust. You are trying to live above lust. They brought out a new movie. You've seen the reviews online. All the reviews are saying that that movie is just nakedness they were portraying. But you said, no, Odeshi, I get strength, I get power. I will watch it. You went to watch it. Now, it's like all the progress you've made has returned back to zero. Do you know why it's returned back to zero? You gave place to the devil. You did. God, I want to live this year for you. I want to live wholeheartedly for you. But you don't know how to stay away from your boyfriend's house. You're always there morning till night. The two of you love each other and attracted to each other as you should be. If you give too much space for the attraction to manifest, what do you think will happen? What do you think will happen? Neither give place to the devil. He says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor with um, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Amen. Amen. Verse 30, verse 29, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Let me tell you now, you are a Christian, you are very loud with expletives. You know what expletives are? swear words you are very loud with swear words this is you do you hear me let us go back to christianity the way it was now i was listening to a christian song 
yesterday, a rap song. And he was talking about how God has delivered him from the devil. And then he was now saying, F the devil. F. I'm like, mm, young man, you've missed it. You've missed it. He says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. How do you keep corrupt um, communication out of your mouth? By keeping it out of your ears. Do you hear me? By keeping it out of your ears. Like I said, this teaching, it may offend some of you. I just hope that you open up your heart. If you hear the word of the Lord today, harden not your hearts. He says, but that which is good to the use of a defined. I remember I had a quarrel, or let me say an altercation with a minister of the gospel about three years back. He put on his status, I'm about to use a word that may be unseeming, forgive me. He put on his status, he said, unforgiveness is the real bitch. And I said, I get the point you're trying to communicate that people should forgive well, you can't use that word. You, you can't. You can't just throw it. You can't. You're a minister. He said it's a real word. It's, it, uh, he's in touch with people. I said, you're supposed to be in touch with the spirits. Not people. He got angry. That why am I being so stuck up? I said, would you use that when preaching? Like just imagine you were listening to me preach. And I was, I was, like I just preached now on forgiveness. And then I get to the man and I say, unforgiveness is the real bitch. So I'll be like, Pastor. Anybody? <laughs> he says, but that which is good to the use of what? Right. That it may minister grace unto the hearers. Praise the Lord. You are not, you are not cool if you keep throwing the F word up and down or other expletives. You are not cool. You sound very ras. Do you hear what I'm telling you? At least from the like from a spiritual perspective, I pity you. I pity you. Let me tell you something. True freedom comes from discipline. If you can't choose to do it, then you are not free from it. Do you hear what I'm saying? You see how right now I wanted to use that word. I said I'm about to use and just for the sake of that's true freedom. The fact that I can pick it up and when I'm now just drop it because I don't want it. It's true freedom. If my speech, because some of you have caught you many times, you are talking to me, and sometimes the word slips. You are not free, oh. You are not free. You, you are free in Christ, but you've allowed something else to have bondage over you. You are talk- sometimes you are talking to me you are, maybe you get so emotional and boom the word slips I'm like ah child of God now now the word you are trying to hold yourself because you are talking to pastor I can imagine when he's at home you are not really free <laughs> wake up to the freedom that you have in Christ <laughs> praise the Lord it says that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Verse 30. Everybody read verse 30 together. Want to go. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed. So there is a way to grieve the Spirit of God. You can. You can't grieve the Spirit of God. How do you grieve the Spirit of God? All those things He warned you about before this verse. It's how, if, you, if you give in to those lifestyles that He warned you against, you grieve the Spirit of God. Let me warn you. Because this one has plagued our generation and we, we've normalized it. Stop fornication. Please do stop it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Stop. Listen, do you hear me? Stop fornication. No matter how good it feels, stop it. You are not free. You are like a person who willfully takes their two hands and walks to kidnappers and say, here I am, kidnap me. 
now demand ransom. You are not free. There's something, and listen, if, if you are already in it, as I'm talking now, make a 180 turn, turn around, and choose not to be there. It's going to take you time. It will be difficult, but fight it. There is no temptation that is taking you that is uncommon to man. God is faithful to make a way of escape for you. This is your way of escape. What, as you are hearing me now, this is your way of escape. Run away. Escape now. I told you this last week. The hardness of hearts doesn't happen once. Do you hear me? It happens when we systematically ignore sin. Systematically, we ignore sin. Anybody, you see, I said this earlier, that wakes up to say God does not exist. I, I came, I, I grew up in church. So I can I have the right to tell you. No, no, no. Watch them when they were in the church. Watch their trajectory. It's never like this. You were going or you were going higher. No. You were going like this. Then you started falling gradually. Until you touched point zero and started going down. So now that you are hearing my words, let my words arrest your fall. Do you hear what I'm saying? Let them stop you. Let them stop you. Pick yourself back up. Build your prayer life. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. Love, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. I don't have time to explain these verses. Everybody read verse 16 together. One, two, go. And you shall not fulfill. Verse 17. For the flesh lusteth after the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you how do you live above the things of the flesh? Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill. Are you with me? It's not by making new year resolutions. <laughs> Say this year, God, if I lie, strike me. You will lie. Just be thankful he didn't take you seriously when you said it. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Pastor, I don't know. How do I get married to a man and I make sure that he does not cheat me? Walk in the spirit. And you will so if the man is walking, ah, okay. So the solution to marrying right is marrying in the spirit. Is that true? Some of you are quiet. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the loss of the flesh. What does it mean to walk in the spirit? It's not walking spiritual gifts. So it's not prophecy, tongues and interpretation, healing gifts. No. No. There are many other places where Paul gives the same instruction. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. We'll just read a few verses. I, I told you to go home and read that. So, you know what? Let's keep that. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. When you get home, please read Ephesians 5, 1 to 11 because of time. It says, if you then be risen with Christ, read the next line everybody wants to go, seek those things which are above. Stop. If you are risen with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ um, sitteth on the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your affection on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Verse 3, for you are dead and your life is hid in Christ. 
seek those things that are above. Train your appetites for those things that are above. Let me tell you something. If there's anything you love today, you train yourself to love it. Do you know? Anything you love today, you trained yourself to love. You probably saw, um, so for instance, let's say you like shoes. One day, you saw a guy putting on a pair of shoes and you liked that pair of shoes. At that point, you wouldn't describe it as love for shoes. I just like the shoes this guy is wearing. But you went home and started researching on shoes. And the more shoes you saw, the more shoes you loved. And so what was like began to grow into love. Is that correct? Anything you love today, you trained yourself to love. If you love a person, the first day they came to meet you, they said, hi, you they look fine. And okay, let me consider this person because she's fine. He's fine. They spoke to you. Okay, not bad. I like the way we talked. It wasn't yet love. When did it become love? When you started picking up calls every day. Started making sure you call them every day. All those consistent, um, constant exchanges grew what was like into love. Seeing that you have been raised with Christ and you are seated above with him. Seek the things that are above. Set, set your affection. Set your affection on things that are above. Do you hear me? Last week I said this. Nobody really likes praying for long ago. It's discipline to everybody that does it. The thing is that some people have trained themselves to love it. Do you hear me? Nobody was born a prayer warrior. Sometimes we excuse, we excuse our inadequacies with spiritual terms. Say, I have a grace, I have the intercessor's grace. No, sir. <laughs> no, sir. The Holy Ghost called and you responded. The other person that does not have it did not respond to the call of the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit said, go and pray, you, you responded. That person didn't. Ah. So you don't have intercessor's grace. You just answered the Holy Ghost. Set your affection. That, that's how to walk in the things of the Spirit. Do you hear what I'm saying? Set your affection. That's how to walk in the Spirit. Set your affection. That's how to walk in the Spirit. Do you hear what I'm saying? When the Lord was training me to study my Bible, there's this song Pastor Chris Oyakilome used to sing sometimes when he would want to preach. Can I have your Bible, please? He would ask the audience to lift their Bibles and sing with him. And the lyrics of the songs, I have a wonderful treasure, the gift of God without measure. We will travel together, my Bible and I. The Holy Ghost will ask me to sing that song repeatedly. We will travel together, my Bible and I. Me and my Bible, we are one. So, at this stage of my life, you can't find me and not find the Bible around me. Some of you have mobile phones and there's no Bible inside. And it's a smartphone. You have Candy Crush, you have Call of Duty, you have different games in your phone. When we say install Bible, we say there's no space. The attack of the devil is not always through witches and wizards. Sometimes this is it. There is no space. There's no Bible on your phone. None. So you can't be... The, the other day, my wife and I went to some government office. We had um, an appointment and they were keeping us. I first started by opening the Bible on my phone to just read a few verses. In the morning, after reading, then I now continue to other things. That's, that's how to set your affection. Do you hear what I'm saying? In my car, there's a Bible on my dashboard. There's a Bible on my phone, but there's a Bible, physical Bible on my dashboard. When we tell you to buy a physical Bible, ah, it's so expensive. How much? 3000 now, how much did you spend on fast food last week? Ah, pastor. Pastor, please don't, let's not go there. Set your affection. Amen? Spiritual activities, learn to love them. When we say there's prayer meeting, don't miss it. 
Don't miss it. Don't miss the prayer meeting. Why is it always you? You always have an excuse. Okay, so for instance now, yesterday was election. Did not fight in your area. Nothing, your area is safe, calm, everything is good. You can come to church. But any little excuse to miss church, ah, you, you will jump on it. I have so much to say on prayer, on study, and on fellowship. I'll just give you scriptures. Hebrews chapter 10. We'll read 24 to 25. When we started this morning, when I came up, and I asked you to pray. Proverbs 27, 17 was the scripture I asked you to read. Just like iron sharpens iron, so does the countenance of a man his friends. Listen, there will be days you don't feel like praying. Seasons where your consecration will be hard to maintain. In those seasons, the strategy of God is for iron to sharpen iron. Do you understand what I'm saying? Just like this morning, many of you, you probably didn't feel like it. But when your partner took your hands and started to pray, you didn't know where it came from. But within you, something swelled up and you started praying to Hebrews 10, 24. It says, and let us consider one another to what? To provoke unto love and to good works. We are to provoke one another to good works. Praise the Lord. Verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more or so much the more as you see the day approaching. You do not forsake the assembling of one another. Let's come together. That's not when we'll find you missing. Some people, your Christianity is the barest minimum. You only come for Sunday services. Barest minimum Christianity. And you think you will grow? You won't. You will not. Let me tell you now, you won't. You don't attend devotion times. Prayer times, you are not there. Study times, you are not there. We organize a meeting, you don't come. The only thing you show up for is Sunday service. Say, so at least I came to church. <laughs> That's barest minimum. You've not started. And in case, in case you think the people to whom this letter was written didn't have enough meetings, they met every day. They met every day. <laughs> and the instruction here is do not forsake the assembling of the brethren. As some people's custom is, because there are people who is you're not you're not new. You that you do, all the meetings you used to miss them. You are not the first. See your forefathers in the Bible. As the manner of some is, is you they are talking about. I'm sorry. If, I just need to tell you. I need to talk to you. Can I talk to you? It's not new. Praise the Lord. You can't, you can't do the barest minimum and fall in love with a person. Let alone God. You can't. You can't do the barest minimum and fall in love with God. How now? Prayer time. Okay. Study time. I'm tired. Sunday service. Let me just go. Let's not be like I did not go to church this week. Barest minimum. And you think you will develop a relationship with God. You won't. You will shock yourself heavily. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Let me talk about prayer very quickly. Three principles to note in prayer. I'll be done with this teaching in 10 minutes so that we can pray. We'll pray like five minutes. I still want us to pray. Number one, prayer must be continuous. Prayer must be continuous. You have scriptures like pray without ceasing. Jesus told them a parable to this end that men always ought to pray and not to faint. Do you see that? Continue steadfastly in prayer, the Bible says. 
The effectual fervent heartfelt continued prayer of the righteous man makes tremendous power available, which is dynamic in his workings. Scriptures like that, prayer must be continuous. You can't pray, you can't pray once every week. You can't. Do you hear what I'm saying? You can't pray once every week. And that one time is powerful 30 minutes. I would rather you pray 10 minutes every day. And those 10 minutes, you pray them well. Because soon it will no longer be 10 minutes. I would rather. When, when people join this church and they tell me I want to build my prayer life, I don't tell them start by praying one hour every day. No. Pray 10 minutes every day. Pray properly for 10 minutes every day. Watch yourself grow. Prayer must be continuous. Do you hear what I'm saying? Scriptures, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. Luke chapter 18 verse 1. Ephesians 6 18. Luke 18 1. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17. Romans 12 12. Romans 12 12. Continuing instant in prayer. Don't just pray. It's prayer time. You're, they say we should pray. You just gather people. Two minutes. Glory. It is done. What is done? <laughs> should I don't put your mouth and pray? <laughs> and listen, listen, listen. Don't just pray because if I don't pray, Satan will show me shaking. No, 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 no. No. You are... It's if you have even started praying, like if that's what spurs you to pray, you said it on the wrong ground. Why don't you start by praying? Because that's how you communicate with God first. Number two thing on prayer. Number two, prayer must be heartfelt. Prayer must be heartfelt. Prayer must be heartfelt. Praise the Lord. Can I challenge you this week? Will you do it? Ten minutes every day. Take out time. And for ten minutes, pray a heartfelt prayer every day and then check your results by the end of the week that is for 10 minutes on your own just get inside your room and pray in tongues like pray that your heart is feeling what you are praying do you get what I'm saying if, if your heart is not yet there pray till it's there then starts the 10 minutes. Just 10 minutes. I, I'm telling you guys, 10 minutes. Many of us don't understand the power of prayer. We don't. If you really want prayer to change your life, don't pray six hours of meaningless prayer. It won't do anything to you. Pray. I would rather you pray 10 minutes of heartfelt prayer. I mean, 10 minutes where your heart, you are hearing the Holy Ghost. You are... It's better than praying six hours and for the whole six hours. Some of you, those five minutes or ten minutes we prayed before the sermon started, it did everything for you. 10 minutes. Just, we, we don't know how powerful that is. That you may be experiencing, you may be having anxiety or, or just something is happening to you and you just lock your door 
and give it 10 minutes. See, I've done it. I do it. It's my remedy. I suggest you do the same. Now imagine that 10 minutes is 30 minutes. It's one hour. It's two hours. Prayer must be heartfelt. Number three, prayer must come from knowledge. Prayer must be sponsored by knowledge. Who is praying? Like I said the other day, who is praying is as important as what is said in the prayer. When Jesus taught them to pray, the first statement was, Our Father. Don't go into the prayer place like you're a beggar. Say, Baba, I've come again. You're saying it as if your presence is a disturbance to him. Go with boldness. But pray nonetheless. Many people idolize prayer. That's why we have a lot of people who are prayerful but still have contradictions. A lot of people who are prayerful but still are wicked. (laughs) Why? They've idolized the thing. You've prayed two hours, three hours, but the prayer did not touch your heart. Those ten minutes you are praying like this, the Holy Ghost in the middle of the ten minutes says, stop. Do you know that you've been carrying unforgiveness for this person? Suddenly your prayer becomes, God have mercy. Have mercy on me. Have mercy. Have mercy. Help me to walk in forgiveness. Then the Holy Ghost will not tell you, pray for the person. Do you know that you cannot be keeping money to somebody you pray for? How do you want to do it now? Say, I'm not talking to Pastor Finn. Then in my prayer place, Father, bless Pastor Finn. Bless him in the name. The Holy Spirit will not tell you. Go and tell him that. Say, Holy Spirit, wait, 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 wait. Before you continue, I'd like you to know that we're currently not in talking terms. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Walk in the Spirit. And you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Amen. Three things you must watch out for. Number one, prayer. Number two, the study of God's word. And number three, fellowship. Fellowship. If any Christian is going to grow, he needs those three things. If you have a Christian that has fellowship and the word, but there's no prayer, he will be defective. You have a Christian that has prayer and fellowship, but no word, he'll be defective. You have a Christian that has prayer and word, but no fellowship. Oh, he will backslide soon. He will backslide soon. Pray in the language of the Spirit. Thank you for listening. For more, head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.